Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Remain standing a moment as I read from 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6 and verse 7. This is the story of the Queen of Sheba coming to visit King Solomon. She'd heard of the splendor of his kingdom, but she wanted to see it for herself. In 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 6, And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in my own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believed not the words until I came, and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. I want to preach today hearing and seeing. Hearing and seeing. You may be seated. I want to say today we have a message that we can hear, that we can see, and that we can experience for ourselves. We are living in what's known as the postmodern world, a postmodern culture. That simply means that people today think truth is relative. They don't really believe in absolute truth. They talk about your truth and my truth, not the truth. They talk about what works for you is good for you, what works for me is good for me. We're to tolerate all views and of course, as Christians, we believe the golden rule, as Jesus taught us, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We believe in treating all people with kindness, respect, love. So whether it's an atheist, a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Catholic, a Protestant, someone who's uh, in, in involved with a life of drugs or some type of addiction or transgender or homosexuality or fornication or adultery, or you just go down the list of everything, we still should treat people as created in the image of God and they're people for whom Jesus Christ died. So we welcome them. We show kindness. We show respect. We show love. Amen. That's biblical tolerance. But our culture says tolerance means you have to accept every view as equally valid. And you can't say some things are wrong. You can't say some things are sin that will send people to hell. You can't say some doctrines are false. You know, we don't really believe that. You know, when I get up on an airplane, I don't want a pilot to say, well, we could do it this way or we could do it that way. I don't want a mechanic to work on my plane and say, well, I will, I will put it in this way and you put it in that way. No, I want them to follow the standards exactly and even exceed them. If I'm going to have brain surgery, I don't want a brain surgeon say, well, I could take out this or I could take out that or, or I could shock this or I could shock that. What do you think? My opinion is this, your opinion that. No, I want a brain surgeon that believes in objective truth, in right and wrong, good and bad. And when you go to salvation, we need to know the truth, not just your truth or my truth, but the truth according to to the inspired, infallible, authoritative Word of God, according to the one who created us. So in this postmodern world, people don't really believe in absolute truth. 
And so some people who believe in the Bible, you could teach them a Bible study, lead them to truth, because what we teach is found in the Bible. But what if someone says, well, I believe the Bible is a book of ancient myths, and, uh, you know, it's got some good points, but I don't necessarily have to follow it. Well, if all you know is the Bible, well, then you're kind of stuck because they won't accept the Bible. But we as apostolics not only have the written word, but we have a personal experience with God that corresponds to the word. And so if someone doesn't believe the truth or doesn't understand the truth or is not committed to the Bible, we don't have to throw up our hands in despair, but we can say, you know what? Let me pray with you. If you're sick in your body, let's pray. Or come to our prayer meeting or come to our service. And you can see for yourself. You can hear for yourself. You don't have to accept my word for it. You don't just have to accept what is written in the Bible as if you don't understand the Bible, but you can come and experience the power and presence of God. And even if they don't believe the Bible, they could experience something they never felt before. And then we could say, well, that's in the Bible. And I'll lead you back to the Word of God because what you've experienced, what you heard, what you saw, the power of God you felt, the healing touch of God that you experienced is found in the Word of God. So we have the Word and the Spirit. We don't need to compromise either one. But my point here today is we have a message that can be heard and seen. The Queen of Sheba heard the report, but it sounded too good to be true. But she decided to investigate a little further. She showed up. She observed carefully. She saw the beautiful palace. She saw the operation of the king's servants, and she was just overwhelmed and said, I heard about it, but I wasn't completely sure. But when I saw it for myself, there is no doubt. I'm saying we have a message that we can both hear and see. When Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2, you see the shepherds receive the announcement. The angel hosts proclaimed to them that the Savior was born. And they followed the advice and the direction I should say, of the, of the angels, they came to the place where the baby Jesus was and they saw him for themselves. And you'll see in Luke 2.20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. So when Jesus was born, when the Savior entered the world, it was something that people could both hear and see. The, the Bible is true and the Word of God is true. But, the, but God does not just require us to believe something that's abstract, that's theoretical, that's not capable of actually being perceived and experienced. But He has a relationship for us, an experience for us that's real, that is founded in the Word of God, but it's actualized in your life, in my life, not just 2,000 years ago, not just the apostles, not just our grandparents, but it's a message that you and I today can both hear and see. It's something we can experience for ourselves. It's a relationship with God that we can have ourselves. Hearing and seeing. Of course, we find... In the Old Testament, prophecies, promises, types, shadows, the message was proclaimed, the people heard, 
In the Gospels, we see the fulfillment of those prophecies, miracles and signs confirming the word, the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. People saw it for themselves. But then as we enter the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, this is the age in which we live. We are the people of the New Testament church. We're not a different church. We call ourselves Pentecostal because we believe the same experience that people received on the day of Pentecost is for today. We call ourselves apostolic because we believe the same message, the same teaching and preaching and practices of the apostolic church, the first century church, is for the church today. We are that church. The people heard it for themselves. They saw it for themselves. They experienced it for themselves. And we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. To be baptized literally means to, to dip, to plunge, to immerse. A lot of people don't expect the tangible experience with initial sign of speaking in tongues. They just say, well, when you confess Jesus or when, you, uh, when you're born as a baby and you're baptized, you know, you're just invisibly, automatically infused with the Spirit, even though you may not have a personal experience, you may not know it for yourself, but, you know, it happened to you. I liken it to, have you ever gone outside, you see the clouds in the sky, maybe the clouds are dark, and all of a sudden you say, wait a minute, was that a drop of water? Did, did I feel that? Is it getting ready to rain? Do we need to make a run for it? Do we need to get an umbrella? And you look up in the sky. Was that my imagination or did I just feel a drop? But if we're walking past a swimming pool and I just push you in and you all go all the way under and you have to fight your way back up to the service and gasp for breath, you don't get out of there and say, now, did I get wet? Was that some water? You know it for yourself. And when you read the book of Acts in the New Testament, it says the Holy Ghost was poured out. The Holy Ghost fell on them. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not just, well, I think maybe I received something. I think maybe when I believed and accepted Christ, probably something happened. No, you can have an experience that overwhelms you, that inundates you, that saturates you, that fills you. It's something you can hear and see for yourself. We have an experience, a message that we can both hear and see. Praise God. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That I can have a personal relationship with God. You see people receive the Holy Ghost many times. Of course, you can hear it. If you get close enough, you can hear them speaking a language they don't know. But even if you're a little further away, a lot of times you can see it. If I'm preaching or praying with people, and off in the distance, all of a sudden, there's an explosion. They just received the Holy Ghost. Or if you're close enough, all of a sudden, you see them speaking rapidly. And you, you may not be close enough to hear what they're saying. But you can say, you know what? I think they're speaking in tongues. It looks like to me, they just received the Holy Ghost. It's an experience you can hear and see. And in our day, to me, that's exciting. Because I can talk to anybody. The atheist, the Muslim, the Hindu person in adultery, fornication, homosexuality, whatever. And I can be their friend, I can talk to them, and I can promise them. You know what? If you'll open your heart and seek God, if you'll call on God, you can feel his presence. I've had that. I remember one time I was preaching in Austin, and a, and I, a woman came in late. I later found out she had been a model, professional model, and she was still in the, involved in the modeling business. And she was raised in a conservative 
denominational church. I didn't know all that at the time. She came in late, and while she was coming in, I was preaching. In Hebrews eleven six. you must believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I said, you know, even if you're not even sure there is a God, God is so gracious. If you'll just say, God, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, I want to know you. Lord, I don't know if what these people are saying can really happen, but, but if, if there's an experience of the Holy Spirit that's for me, I want that. I said, even if you're not sure there is a God, or you're not sure that what I'm preaching is true, that, that's okay. If you'll open your heart and say, Lord, I'm willing to believe. I want to know the truth. God will accept you at that level. And I said, God will reveal himself to you. Now, you can't dictate how God will do it. He'll do it his own way in his own time. But if you'll pray sincerely and make that a daily prayer, God, reveal yourself to me one way or the other, sooner or later, God will reveal himself to you in a way that you will know for yourself. And I was saying all those things. It wasn't even in my notes. After church, she comes up to me. She says, now, Pastor, I need to know something. She says, my own family doesn't have any idea, but she says, I'm struggling. I don't even know if there's a God. So can you help me? How would I know? I said, well, you came in late. I didn't know who you were. Even your family doesn't know you're having these questions. It wasn't in my notes. I said, I think God's already started revealing himself to you. It was a course of time, but I have to tell you, she was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. I was preaching, and that was, she was the first First person we ever baptized in our church when we were starting the Home Missions Church in Austin, Texas. And I think it was a year or two ago, I was preaching in Dallas, and uh, there she was in church. We were able to get a picture taken with her. You have a message that you don't have to be intimidated by. No matter who you talk to, you can have an inner confidence. If somebody's sick in their body, you can say, you know, God can heal you. And it's okay to say, come to our church and and the pastor will pray for you, or I'll take your prayer request and we'll turn it in and the church will pray for you. But it would also be okay. You're talking in their home, or maybe you're talking on the phone. And a lot of times I learned, this was long before I became a minister, I learned to end that conversation by saying something like this. Would it be okay if we just prayed right now? Because God could heal that person right there. You say, I'm not a preacher, I can't even talk. These signs shall follow them that believe. You have a message and an experience that can be heard and seen. Do not be intimidated by people of other faiths or no faith. Do not be intimidated by abstract theology. Do not be intimidated by lifestyles of sin. You have something they don't have. You have an experience with God. You have the power of the Holy Ghost. You have the infallible Word of God. You have a message you can hear and see, and you can share it with others, and they too can hear and see. Praise God. So on the day of Pentecost, the believers are waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. And I don't think they understood what was going to happen. Never happened before. But they heard a sound of a rushing mighty wind. I believe that reminded them of Jesus' statement when he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. I think it reminded them of when Jesus taught, probably on many occasions, but certainly to Nicodemus. The wind blows where it wants to. You can't see it. 
but you can hear the sound. So is the Spirit. So when that wind started blowing, their faith rose. And then tongues like fire sat on each of them. Physical flames, or I say physical, but visible flames sat on each person. I believe that was to let them have faith that this is not only a corporate experience, it's for each individual. So I imagine, Brother Lopez, that Peter looks up in his prayer and he says, John, there is a flame of fire over your head. And John says, well, Peter, there's a flame of fire over your head. And Peter tries to look. It's on everybody's head. It's something they heard and they saw. And that gave them the faith. The promised time had come. And the promise is for every individual. At that moment, they opened their heart. They had already repented. But at that moment, they had individual faith. And Acts 2, 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There were other, the other signs showed the Spirit on the outside working. But speaking in tongues came from the inside out as the initial sign that each person received. Of course, the crowds gathered. Thousands of Jews were in Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. Thousands heard and saw this notable event. They didn't know what it was, but they heard it and they saw it. They heard the sound. They saw the people worshiping. They saw them speaking in tongues, and some couldn't understand what they were saying. They said, these people are crazy. They must be drunk. They're babbling nonsense. Others said, oh, wait a minute. I'm from Arabia. That guy's speaking Arabic. I'm from Rome, and that guy's speaking Latin. But wait a minute. They're dressed like a Galilean fisherman. How does a Galilean fisherman know Arabic? And there are 15 different languages represented. So some mocked and some marveled. But they all asked the same question. What does this mean? This, they were talking about tongues, something you could hear and see. And so the apostle Peter stood up with all the other apostles. And by the way, if all you know is Acts 2, shame on you. It's throughout the whole Bible. But don't, don't ignore the significance. Here is the birthday of the Christian church, the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the first gospel message. All 12 apostles standing at the same place uh, at the same time, giving the same message and ending up how to be saved. That's pretty significant. There's no other place in the Bible like that. And so the apostle Peter stood up and said, this is that. This tongues that you're asking a question about, is that the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel? In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The old and the young, the men and the women, even the servants and the handmaids, every social economic status. And the same is true today. Black, white, brown, young, old, in between, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, first-generation Pentecostal, multi-generation Pentecostal, rural, urban, rural, it doesn't matter. The gospel, the message, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. We have a message that works in every language, in every country, in every ethnicity. Why? Because you can hear it and you can see it. You can know it for yourself. I was raised in Korea. My parents were missionaries. And by the way, I resonate with that move, the mission. I learned how to drive in a British Land Rover purchased by Sheets for Christ, move the mission. And 
I can resonate with all those missionary stories. I remember as a teenager, we had a great camp of a couple thousand people. People receiving the Holy Ghost, denominational people, Presbyterians, Methodists, preachers receiving the Holy Ghost. And we were baptizing them in Jesus' name. I watched over 550 people being baptized at one time. And that was back in the 70s. It was remarkable. But I remember praying. I could speak Korean and understand Korean. And there was a, I think he was a Presbyterian minister. And all of a sudden, as I was praying next to him, he began to burst out in perfect, unaccented English. This is back in the 70s. He said, Jesus Christ is coming very soon. Jesus Christ is coming very soon. Jesus Christ is coming very soon. When he finished praying, I asked him, I said, Pastor, uh, do you speak English? And I was asking him in Korean. He says, no, I don't speak English. I said, do you know what you were saying just a few minutes ago? He says, no, I was speaking in tongues. I said, well, you were speaking in English, and you were saying Jesus Christ is coming very soon. Hey, I heard it for myself. I saw it for myself. Not only did I receive it, I've talked to people, and I've watched people. I've seen people in many languages, many countries, many circumstances. It's a message you can hear and see. And so sometimes people say, well, why do you say you have to speak in tongues? I don't say you have to speak in tongues. I say it's a promise, and it's a command. It's a plan. But don't blame me. It's God's plan. I'm not the one that tells people they have to speak in tongues. You just repent of your sins. You open your heart in faith. You ask God to fill you. He caused you to speak in tongues. It's not my fault. That's God doing that. And who am I to argue with God if that's what he wants to do? But I said the reason why we preach it is because that's what the apostles preach. The question was asked, what is this tongues? They said, it means you receive the Holy Spirit as prophesied by Joel. So that's what I preach. You say, what's tongues? I say, well, it's a sign you receive the Holy Spirit. That's what the apostles preached. Peter went on to preach. He quoted from Joel till he got to this point. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Because he didn't really want to preach about tongues. He wanted to preach about the Lord. And he said, the Lord is Jesus. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is the Jesus of the New Testament. And he said he died, he was buried, and he rose again so that you might receive what you just saw. He preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you notice, if you'll notice in Acts 2, 33, as he's, getting, as he's summarizing his message and getting to the peak of what he's trying to say, he makes this point in, in verse 33. He says, well, let me see. I'm in the wrong place, so I'll have to, I'll have to find it. iPads are great until they're not, so uh, I can catch up right here. Okay, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he, that's Jesus Christ, has shed forth this which ye now see and hear. So he said, you can receive it too if you'll believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you'll believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again to give victory, then you can have an experience that's not just, I accept it, I believe it, I sign up, I recite the creeds, but you can receive something you can hear and you can see. And of course, as you know, the crowd was convicted of their sins, cried out to the apostles, what are we supposed to do? 
And of course, Acts 2.38, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. I believe in not only in space, but in time. Coming down through the ages, that promise is for everyone that the Lord, our God, will call. And that includes you and me, a promise that we can see and hear and we can experience for ourselves. That's how it started, and that's how it continues. When I say hear and see, I'm not only talking about physically, but spiritually. There are spiritual ears and spiritual eyes where we perceive the spirit world and we have an experience in the spirit. Let me tell you an example. Years ago, I was preaching in Little Rock, Arkansas. They had a deaf ministry, and of course, they had some interpreter for American Sign Language. But there was a man on the front row who was both deaf and blind. So he couldn't see the signs. So they had a second interpreter sitting next to him, holding his hand, and she was signing into his hand. So I marveled at this, that here I'm preaching in English, the sign language interpreter is translated and standing before me in American Sign Language. But this guy, the second translator, is signing into his hand so he can feel it. That was pretty incredible to me. But what was more incredible, at the end of the service, the Spirit of God moved in a powerful way. People were jumping up, dancing, worshiping, shouting, speaking in tongues. And it was like, you've seen it like, sometimes like a wave, like you can just see the Spirit moving across. Well, as that wave moved across, this deaf blind man jumped up. He started shouting, dancing, raising his hand, jumping up and down. I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You can explain these other people. They're hearing the music. You can explain these other people. They're seeing everybody else jump up and down, so that gives them faith that they can jump up and down. But maybe this guy's feeling some vibrations in the floor. I don't know. But he's not hearing anything we hear. He's not seeing anything we see. Why is he jumping up and down rejoicing and worshiping? It's because the Spirit of God goes right to the heart, to the spiritual ears, to the spiritual eyes. I don't care what physical limitations you may have or what cultural limitations you may have or what damage sin may have wrought in your life or what damage abuse may have wrought in your life from other people. I don't care what the devil may have done in your life. You have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes. And in this service today, the Lord can speak directly to your heart in a way that you can hear and see for yourself. You can have your own experience with Almighty God. It's real. It's for you. It's for me. A message. You can see and hear an experience for everybody. Years ago, when my wife and I started church in Austin, Texas. We started our home, 1992. We built it up. About a 1,000 people from every walk of life started 16 Daughter Works and so forth. But I can share many testimonies. But one I particularly remember was in 2009. We had a guest preacher. He was preaching a great message. And... I observed, again, it was just interesting to me, curious, because and we'd started several Spanish-speaking churches, but we kept having Spanish-speaking people come back to the main service. So we'd start another one. So we were, at that time, translating into Spanish on the headphones. And so there were some people in the audience listening in Spanish. Then we had sign language, so we had some deaf people, so we had an interpreter. And then we had a couple from Sudan 
It's an amazing story. They fled from civil war in Sudan, crossed the Sahara Desert, made it to the United States. They were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. The man's mother was visiting from Sudan. She was, spoke Arabic. She was Muslim. And they were trying to lead her to Jesus Christ. So she was sitting there in that service, and her daughter-in-law was sitting next to her, quietly translating the service into Arabic. So I thought, Brother Carson, this is cool. We've got one service, and the message is going for the English, Spanish, sign language, and Arabic, all right here in front of me. Isn't that great? It's what God does. It's kind of like a metaphor of how he individualizes for every person. There are going to be a 1,000 people, and each person gets a personal message. It's not because the preacher is great. Preacher's not smart enough to tailor a thousand messages, but God can. So I was just enjoying that. But at the end of the service, I got the report. Four people received the Holy Ghost in that service. One was a teenage African-American girl who was listening, of course, in English. One was an elderly Hispanic man who was listening in Spanish on the headphones. One was a young Hispanic woman who was deaf who was watching sign language. And one was this Muslim woman who was listening in Arabic. I thought, isn't that just like the Lord? Four languages going forth. People of four languages received the Holy Ghost in the same service. Who could do that? Who could design that? What creative team could come up with that service? No, I'm saying Almighty God reached down in that service and gave a message that every individual could both hear and see. And that's what God wants to do today. Let's stand all across the building. God is moving by his spirit. And he wants to talk to you. It's a message you can hear and see. But it goes beyond physical hearing and sight. It goes to the heart. And you know, for those of us who have experienced it, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, Eye has not seen, ear hasn't heard the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And that's our life even now and much more so in the life to come. God has something even greater than you can imagine right now. God has something even greater than you're thinking right now. And so whatever you're planning for this local assembly, thank God. Whatever you're planning for IBC, praise God. But just keep your, keep your mind open. God may want to do something you hadn't even thought of yet. God may have called you to a certain ministry. But hey, just keep walking by faith and believe in God. He may have something you haven't even thought of yet. There's something that goes beyond what you're hearing right now. There goes beyond something you're seeing right now. Just keep walking by faith, and it's going to unfold. God has something even greater than we can see in here. It'll be fully confirmed by what we see in here, but it's going to be even greater than what we see in here. Would you close your eyes with me? I'm just getting ready to turn this back to the music team and Pastor Carson. But if there's somebody here today that you need the Lord, why don't you step out by faith? Maybe you'd like to invite someone to come with you to the front to stand or kneel. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. Ask God to forgive your sins. Surrender your life. It's called repentance where you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I surrender to you. I want a new life. I want a different life. I want an experience that's real that I can know for myself. I'm tired of coasting on somebody else's experience. I'm tired of, tired of pursuing false experiences. I want the real thing. 
Why don't you come if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost? That's God's Spirit come to dwell inside of you, speaking a language miraculously that you never learned before. I want you to come. You can receive the Holy Ghost in the next few minutes. If you need healing, deliverance, strength, whatever you need, it's a message you can hear and see. You can experience for yourself. All across the building, can we pray? Can we call upon God? Let's ask God to do a work in our midst right here this morning in Calvary Tabernacle, Indianapolis, Indiana.